Praise the Lord. Today, we are grateful to the Lord for the opportunity that He has given all of us to listen to His Word. Amen? Amen. So please help me welcome in our midst, Pastor TJ Caparos. Praise the Lord. Good morning. It is a joy and a privilege for me to share the Word of God with you this morning. Our text is taken from the book of Ephesians, and so if you have your Bibles with you, please turn it with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And as you're going there, let me just remind you what this book is all about. You see, the book of Ephesians is a book about our spiritual riches in Christ. It's a book about fullness. It is a book about our inheritance. This book simply tells us what we own in Christ. That's why Ephesians has been given many soaring titles throughout the years. It has been called the Alps of the New Testament. It has been called the crown and climax of Pauline theology. It has been called the bank of the believer or the treasure house of the Bible, and rightly so. Because as you read through the book of Ephesians, you will discover that the word riches is mentioned five times. The word grace is mentioned 12 times. The word filled or fullness is mentioned six times. And the phrase in him or in Christ is mentioned 27 times. So you get this idea that this book is all about the overwhelming infinite wealth we have in Christ. That is why I have entitled today's sermon, Our Riches in Christ. So let me encourage you to go to our text. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and let us honor the Word of God as we stand from our seats. I'll be reading from the ESV. It reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let us all pray together. Our heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to this world to live a perfect life for us, to die an obedient death on the cross, And he rose again back to life on the third day to prove that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. We thank you that through the perfect sacrifice of Christ, we have been saved by grace through faith. And not only that, as we study your word, we are reminded that you have granted us every spiritual blessing in him, that we may know you more that we may love you with all of our hearts and that we may worship you for who you are. I pray, God, that you would bless our time together. May your people, as they understand the meaning of this text, respond in worship, in adoration. May this affect our lives and may it change us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. If you love tennis, you probably know a great tennis player named Arthur Ashe. He was a three-time world champion, and he was also a civil rights leader who paved the way for African-American athletes to succeed in sports. He had a great career, 
but it was cut short because he died of AIDS, which he contracted from a blood transfusion during his heart surgery. Now, Arthur Ashe could have become embittered and self-pitying in the face of his disease. He could have blamed the hospital. He could have blamed the nurses and the doctors who performed the surgery. But this man maintained a grateful attitude all throughout his life. And when he was asked about this, this was what he said. He said, if I was tempted to ask about my sufferings, about my troubles, I would then think about the many blessings that God has given me and ask, why me? When I think about the wonderful wife and son that he has blessed me with, I go and ask, Lord, why me? When I think about God's faithfulness and, and grace, I go and ask God, Lord, why me? You see, the attitude of Arthur Ashe serves a, as a rebuke to most of us who often grumble about our problems, wherein we go and ask God, Lord, why me? Why is this suffering taking place right now? Why are you allowing this to happen in my life? Now, I may not know what you're going through right now. Maybe some of you are, are feeling despondent and you're discouraged and you're confused to the point that you're beginning to doubt the goodness and the wisdom of God. But let me just remind you and let me just encourage you. Even in the midst of adversity, God remains to be good. He remains to be faithful. And, I, and my prayer is that as we study this text, as we understand the meaning of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we would realize as Christians that we have so many reasons to be grateful and thankful every day. Not just because God has blessed us financially or materially or relationally, but most importantly, God has blessed us spiritually. That's what the Apostle Paul says in our text here. He says, he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. The word blessed there is in the past tense. That means the moment you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God has given you every spiritual blessing in Christ. Everything that you need for life and godliness Everything that you need to be able to know God, to worship Him and serve Him, God has granted that to you. And so we need to understand this if we are to live for the glory of God. And you see, these are the blessings that cannot be taken away from us. They can never be taken away from us. Death cannot take these blessings away from us. Disease, calamity, even our own failures can never take away these blessings. And so we need to understand the beautiful truth about this passage, that when God has granted these things to us, it is not something we take ourselves, it is something that is given to us. And so what are these spiritual blessings that Paul is referring to in this text. Well, you need to understand chapter 1, verses 3 to 14 is one grand sentence in the Greek. And here you find in these verses the spiritual blessings God has given us in Christ. In verse 4, Paul says, we have been chosen even before the foundation of the world. Can you say chosen? 
Do you know that even, God, even before God created the first molecule, even before He created the first planet, God had you in His mind. He chose you even before the foundation of the world. And the reason why God chooses people for salvation is because as human beings, we are totally depraved. We can never respond to the gospel favorably. And so because of God's sovereign grace, He chooses, He selects people to salvation so that when the gospel is preached to them, they would respond in faith and repentance. So the fact that you are a Christian today listening to this sermon is really a great blessing from God. He has chosen you, and that is an act of God's grace. And not only that, if you go to verse 5, it says, we are predestined to be adopted as sons. Not only does God save us, but God becomes now our father, and we become his children. We become part of his family, enjoying the full rights and privileges of citizens in heaven. And not only that, in verse 6, Paul says we are given grace. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. And when we talk about our redemption, may we remember that it is not just about Jesus paying the ransom for our sins, but through the redemption of Jesus Christ, He has set us free from the power and the dominion of sin. Therefore, a Christian should no longer remain in sin. You will no longer be comfortable with sin. You will now wage war with sin because God has given you the power to overcome sin. And that is a spiritual blessing. And not only that, we are told that we are now able to understand the secret of His will. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are now able to appreciate the things of God. When we study His Word, we are now able to understand the Word of God. God has given us now a desire to know Him, to serve Him, to worship Him, and that is a spiritual blessing. Verse 11 tells us we are made a heritage, and verse 13 to 14 tells us we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. And so as we talk about the spiritual blessings we have received in Christ, you see the work of the divine trinity here. God the Father selects people to salvation. God the Son saves through His death on the cross. And the Holy Spirit seals us through His presence in our lives. And so these are the reasons why we should be grateful and thankful to God every day. And when we are discouraged and when we are despondent, and when we are tempted to doubt the goodness and faithfulness of God, I want you to know that the main issue we're facing here is not emotional. It is not re relational. It is not financial. It is theological. Because a person who truly knows the greatness of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercies of God will not remain despondent will not remain defeated, will not remain discouraged. And so a lot of times the reason why we respond the wrong way when it comes to our trials is because we have this wrong view about God and His Word. That is why it was so important for the Apostle Paul to remind the church in Ephesus about the things they have been blessed with in Christ. 
You see, they lived in a very prosperous city, the city of Ephesus. People went to Ephesus for commerce, for trade, for business, for education. It was a very influential city. But Paul is reminding them through this letter, your true riches are not earthly and they are not temporal. Your true riches are heavenly and they are eternal. And so doctrine is very important. The study of God's Word is very important. Now, people, some people say, don't talk to me about doctrine. It doesn't matter. As long as I, I live the Christian life the right way, that's what really counts. But I beg to disagree because the study of truth is important. It does make a difference what you believe because what you believe determines how you become. That is why in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, Paul focuses on doctrinal truth. And you would notice in the second half of his letter from chapters 3 to 6, Paul focuses on the practical. He had to start with doctrine first because doctrine should affect our devotion. Our creed must affect our conduct. Our belief must affect our behavior. Christian life, dear friends, is not based on ignorance. It is based on truth. And the better we understand Bible doctrines, the easier it will be for us to obey Bible duties. And so let's go back to our text. What, is, what does Paul say here? God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. This speaks about the sufficiency of God's blessings. And that's my first point. Every means whole without exception. The moment you believe in Christ, every spiritual blessing has been given to you. It's just like when a a normal baby is born. All the body parts are there, right? You don't have to wait for a week for the arms or the legs to pop out. It's all there. And so is it for the new Christian. Everything that you need for life and godliness has been given to you. But it takes time for you to get acquainted with these things. It takes time for you to grow and develop as a believer. But you need to start somewhere. And if there is one good place to start, it is this verse in the book of Ephesians. This is so important because many of us spend our time asking God for things that He has already given us. For example, we go and ask, Lord, what I really need right now is love. I don't feel loved by my spouse, by my family. People don't love me, so Lord, give me love. No, when we say that or when we ask that, we, we fail to remember that God has already given us perfect love. And the Bible tells us perfect love casts out fear. You need to understand our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ must not be based on people. It must not be based on circumstances. Could you imagine if the Apostle Paul based his commitment on the love of people towards him or his circumstances? He would not have endured the ministry because he suffered persecution. He was imprisoned. People rejected his gospel. See, even people who love us the most will fail us because they are human after all. They are limited. They have weaknesses. Remember this. 
God in His grace has shown us what true perfect love is all about. And that is when He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die for our sins on the cross. That is the agape love of God, the unconditional love of God, the selfless, sacrificial love of God. And as a believer, you have experienced that kind of love. So quit looking for love in the wrong places. Go back to the cross. That's what we sang earlier, your wealth is in the cross. I have a three-year-old son, Marco, and I try my best to disciple him and teach him uh, the gospel. And I tell him that Jesus died for you on the cross. Uh, his, his hands were pierced by nails. He was crucified on the cross. And I also teach him to pray all the time. If he receives a blessing, I ask him to thank God. If he gets hurt or if he has a wound, I ask him, okay, Marco, let's pray. Uh, let's pray to Jesus for healing. And uh, there was this time when I was sharing the gospel to him. I was talking about Jesus being crucified. And he said, I'm going to pray that God would heal the wounds of Jesus. Because Jesus has yayay daddy. We need to pray right now. And so, okay, okay, let's see how this goes. And so he prayed, Lord, please heal the wounds of Jesus. And after that, I told him, you know, Marco, you don't have to pray for that anymore because Jesus is no longer in the cross. He's no longer buried in the tomb. Jesus is alive. And what he has accomplished on the cross is sufficient to pay for our sins. Amen? And I was thinking about that. I was reminded of Isaiah 53. Remember the prophet Isaiah? He said, by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. And that is all because of the great love of our Savior. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Sometimes when we forget what we have been blessed with, we find ourselves asking God, Lord, what I need right now is joy. I'm unhappy. I need joy. But what did Jesus say in John 15, 11? These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. When Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, he said these words, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How can Paul say that? Paul was in prison. And yet he was telling the church in Philippi, who, by the way, was greatly concerned about his physical welfare, here's a guy who was encouraging these worried saints, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you know why Paul can rejoice in the midst of suffering? It's because of this. His, his joy was grounded and based on not people, places, or circumstances, but it was based on the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Paul David Tripp said, the trials in our lives exist not because God has forgotten us, but because he remembers us and is changing us by his grace. When you remember that, you can have joy in the middle of what is uncomfortable. What are you going through right now? Are you discouraged? Are you suffering? 
Are you in pain, maybe emotionally or physically? Let me encourage you. Let me remind you. You can still experience joy in the midst of that because your joy is in the Lord. Amen? Our joy is in Christ. And when we go through suffering, sometimes we ask God, Lord, what I need right now is peace. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm fearful about many things. But what did Jesus say? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Dear friend, I want you to understand this as we talk about Christian peace. Christian peace is not about the absence of problems. Christian peace is about the presence of God. Let me say that again. Christian peace is not about the absence of problems, but it is about the presence of God. That's why in the book of Philippians, Paul said, do not be anxious about anything. And by the way, this is an imperative. This is a command. Paul is not giving an option for believers to not be anxious about anything. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. And, and we ask Paul, Paul, are you serious? Not be anxious about anything? He does not say, do not be anxious about some things or most things. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, if Paul stopped there, it would be so hard for us to obey this command because there are a lot of things that worry us, right? But Paul continues, he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Apostle Paul reminds us to be thankful in prayer. Do you know that it is so hard to be thankful when you're always worried about many things? People who worry a lot do not pray a lot. But people who trust God a lot pray a lot. Because prayer, dear friends, is not just some spiritual exercise that we perform because we're believers. No. Prayer is a desperate cry. We are telling God, Lord, we need you in our lives. And, and in prayer, as we thank God in our prayers, the focus is God. The focus should be the attributes of God, the greatness of God, the holiness of God, the love of God, the glory of God. And when that is your focus, you will discover and you will see that God is bigger than all your problems combined. He is greater than all things. That's why Paul calls the Philippians to attitudes of joy so that they replace anxiety with expectant, grateful prayer. And what's the result when we do that? Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There was a friend of mine who told me a story about a homeless man in Switzerland. And, uh, and since he was homeless, he would search for food in the garbage can. He would sleep in the streets. He would endure the cold weather, weather when winter came. And uh, eventually, this, this homeless man died of malnutrition. Now, when the authorities knew about his identity, they were so shocked. You know why? Because they discovered that that homeless man was a millionaire. 
He did not go bankrupt. For some reason, he decided to live like a homeless man. We don't really know his reasons. But he had so much access to wealth. And it's so ironic that a man with so much wealth died of malnutrition. But do you know what? As Christians, we can live that way sometimes when we forget what we have been really blessed with in Christ. We can suffer from spiritual malnutrition. We have access to so much wealth, so much spiritual wealth, dear friends. And that should empower us to live the Christian life. You know, all, for, for those of us who joined the IDMC conference, we were greatly challenged by Edmund Chan. He reminds us that the core mission of the church is to make disciples. And by the way, disciple-making is not just for pastors and church leaders. It is for every believer. And sometimes when we forget the sufficiency of Christ and the things that He has given us to be able to make disciples, we tend to focus on our weaknesses and our limitations, and that somehow hinders us to really make disciples for the glory of God. But knowing how rich you are spiritually knowing how wealthy you are spiritually should cause you to see that what you cannot do, God can do through you because He has given you everything that you need to glorify Him as you make disciples. So keep that in mind. And as Paul has reminded us about this, remember, he says, God has blessed us. Paul is talking about himself and the church in Ephesus. He's talking about every believer. So this spiritual blessing that God has given us is to be used if we are to live for Him. And remember the word blessing has the idea of advantage. We have been given every spiritual advantage to be able to respond properly when trials come our way. That is why Christians should respond differently than the world, than an unbeliever, because we have every advantage, every spiritual blessing in Christ. There was this story about a millionaire, and uh, he, was, he was going to this uh, very important meeting, and as he was driving his car, all of a sudden his car broke down, and he looked at his watch, and he realized he was running late. And so he got a cab, and uh, when he arrived in, in his destination, by the way, before he rode the cab, he had three 500 bills in his wallet. And so when he arrived, he paid the taxi driver a 500 bill for a 300 uh, peso fare. That makes, uh, which makes him ha having only two bills, 500 bills in his wallet, right? Now, during the day, he checked his wallet and he discovered there is only one 500 bill left. So he thought to himself, either I drop that 500 bill somewhere or I gave the cab driver two 500 bills. Now, if you were in his shoes, would you be so upset about it? Would you be so worried about it? Are you going to call the cops to search 
the city and look for that cab driver so that you can retrieve your 500 bill? Are you going to toss and turn at night? Are you going to do that if you're a millionaire? Yes or no? No. You know why? Because you know your resources. You know your riches. And sometimes as Christians, we, when we experience loss, maybe financial loss, or maybe something that you bought or invested in turned out to be less valuable than you thought, sometimes we can throw a tantrum and even raise our fists in protest against God. You know, every time we respond that way, we are forgetting how spiritually rich we are. Now, I'm not asking us to deny reality. Those may be real losses. Those may be great losses. But remember this, dear friends, our hope is not in this life. Our hope is in the life to come. And the Apostle Paul spoke about that in the book of Ephesians when he talked about the hope of our calling. Do you know what our hope is? Do you know what our greatest hope is? It is the second coming of Jesus Christ when He will put an end to all evil and sin, and the church will be caught up with Him, and for the rest of eternity, we will experience the sweet presence of our Savior. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. No more pain, no more suffering. That is our destiny. That is our eternal destiny. So do not mourn over your earthly losses. Because you have a great treasure in Christ. And He has assured you and promised you that He has given you an inheritance that you will receive one day. Amen? Paul says in Colossians 2, verse 10, In Him you have been made complete. One person said, So when you feel like giving up, remember all the spiritual blessings you have been given. Satan can never take that which which God has already given us. But at times, he can be successful in making us forget our resources, or better yet, make us ignorant about them. So what's the first thing we need to remember about this verse? The sufficiency of God's blessings. Secondly, Let's talk about the superiority of God's blessings. Let's read the text once again. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul here explains to us the source of our spiritual blessings. He says, In the heavenly places. That's one way of saying our spiritual blessings come from God. They have a heavenly characteristic. They have a heavenly nature. And that's important for us to understand because we know everything in this world is imperfect. It is cursed. It is limited. It is weak. So the love that we receive from people is imperfect. The blessings that we receive in this life can never truly satisfy us. So it is just but right that when we talk about our blessings, they need to be heavenly. So the love that we have received from God is heavenly. The joy that we have received from Him is heavenly. The grace that we have received from Him is heavenly. 
Think about it. Why wouldn't God put material blessings in this list of spiritual blessings? The answer is simple. They don't last for eternity, whereas the things not seen do last forever. Um, my son, Marco, is a big Spider-Man fan. And uh, let's say he's here with me on stage, and I present to him two gifts, a Spider-Man toy and a gold bar. What would Marco choose? Who would say Spider-Man? All of us would say Spider-Man. I guarantee you he would choose Spider-Man. Now, by him choosing Spider-Man, that does not mean the gold bar is not valuable. It remains to be valuable. The problem is not in the gold bar. The problem is Marco's perspective about what is truly valuable. And a lot of times we Christians, we prefer the earthly and the temporal simply because we forget how valuable and how precious Jesus really is. And so when people say, God is boring for me or God is not worthy of my all, the problem is not with God. The problem is the human heart. But when God changes the human heart, God makes us see how beautiful, how glorious He really is, and He truly deserves our all. Amen? He deserves to be praised. Let's give the Lord a big hand. And as Paul has reminded us about our spiritual blessings coming from the heavenlies, it also reminds us that our citizenship is not here on earth, but it is in heaven. That's what Paul says in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus. Do you know that millions of American citizens were neither born in the United States nor have at least one parent who is a United States citizen? But they are Americans because they have chosen to become a citizen of the United States th through the process of naturalization. And there are actually six requirements if you want to become an American citizen. Number one, a period of continuous residence and physical presence in the U.S., an ability to read, write, and speak English, attachment to the principles of the government of the United States, knowledge and understanding about the U.S. Constitution, good moral character, favorable disposition towards the United States. These are things that you need to earn and you need to prove. Now, let me ask you, how can one be a citizen of heaven? How can one be a citizen of heaven? There is only one requirement, and it is this. You need to be in Christ. You need to be identified with Christ. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove yourself. To be in Christ, you have to just simply trust in Him as your personal Lord and Savior as you, as you repent from your sins. That is why the Apostle Paul, this is one of his favorite phrases in the book of Ephesians. The phrase, in Him or in Christ, is repeated about 27 times. It refers to our identification with Jesus Christ. So here's what happens when we trust in Christ. 
The book of Romans tells us that Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. You and I could never live a perfect life. We could never ever fulfill the standard of God, which is perfection. And so Christ not only died for you, but remember this, He also lived a perfect life for you so that Jesus becomes the perfect sacrifice for sinners. And so when you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, His righteousness is imputed to you. God no longer sees your sins, but He sees the righteousness, the perfect righteousness of Christ. And it is because that we are in Him that we have received salvation and that we have received every spiritual blessing. And so that is the cause for God's blessings. So let me ask you, are you in Christ? If you feel that I am not yet born again, I am not yet a believer, let me encourage you. As you trust in Christ, as you surrender your life to Him, no matter what you have done in the past, if you turn to Him as your Lord and Savior, He will forgive you. And not only will He forgive you, but He will grant you every spiritual blessing. Amen? And so to end, what is the effect of God's blessings? There must be a response. After realizing the sufficiency of God's blessings, the superiority of God's blessings, the cause of God's blessings, what should be the effect? Well, it is found in the first word in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word blessed here comes from the Greek word eulogetos, where we get the English word eulogy. And eulogy simply means to speak well or highly of someone. So the proper response is to praise God. The proper response is to worship God. The proper response is to serve Him, to consecrate our lives for His use. And here you see when doctrine is rightly understood, it will naturally lead to an expression of praise to God. I like what Vernon Ground said. He said, think about God's blessings and ask, why me? Then your grumbling will give way to praise. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. God has blessed us with gifts. We bless Him with words, and not just with our words, but with our lives. Every time I come back home, most of the time, I try to surprise my kids with a little gift. And so they really get excited when I get back home. Something really expensive, uh, something simple. And they know the drill. When I arrive, I, I tell them, I have, a, I have something for you. I have a surprise for you. And so they, they close their eyes and they uh, open their hands. And so... I, I gently put that gift on their hands and tell them, okay, you can open your eyes now. And every time without fail, even if it's just a candy, they'll be so excited. Thank you, Daddy. This is so nice. Thank you so much. 
And there was this day my son Marco, I think he was trying to express his gratitude to me. He said, Daddy, close your eyes. Open your hands. So I was thinking, what will he give me? doesn't have money. <laughs> and he gets one of his toys and he puts it on my hands. And he, and he gets so giddy and excited. Daddy, open your eyes, open your eyes. Wow, Marco, thank you. And when I think about that, I'm reminded, you know what? The talents, when we bless God with our lives, when we give Him our time, our resources, we are just simply returning to Him what He has given us. Amen? The resources that God has blessed us with, they come from Him. The talents, the abilities, the gifts that we have, they come from Him. So when we bless God with, with our resources, when we bless God with our lives, when we serve Him, we are just simply giving back what truly belongs to Him. You know, God does not need our money. He really does not need our service. He will still be God even without us. But a beautiful thing about our God is that not only does He save you, but He gives you an opportunity to express your joy in Him, and that is through service. Amen? That is through worship. So church, as we close, whatever you may be going through right now, remember this verse. Remember that in Christ, you have everything that you need for life and godliness. Remember the sufficiency of God's blessings. Remember the superiority of God's blessings. Remember the cause of God's blessings. And remember the proper response, the effect of God's blessings. We are to live for the glory of God and our great Savior, Jesus Christ. He deserves our all. Amen. He deserves everything. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You will be celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. And so let me call the worship team as they prepare our hearts through a song. And as we have meditated on God's Word, I pray that you would think about what has been said, about how blessed you are, and take this time to really thank God for His goodness. Chains are gone, I've been set free.
we celebrate the Lord's Supper, let us remember the, the very essence and the very purpose why we do this. Every first Sunday of the month, the, the bread symbolizes the, the life of our Lord, um, His body that He willingly laid for us sinners. And the cup of wine symbolizes the blood of Christ that was shed for us. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So blood is really a symbol of the death of Christ. And so let me just give you some time to just thank God for, for your salvation and for all the things that He has blessed you with in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Let me read to you Philippians chapter 3, beginning verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, Father, we are so amazed by your grace. We are so amazed by your love. When we think about the cross, O oh Lord, we discover that that is the place where we find our true wealth, our true joy, our true peace, true forgiveness. It is only because of what Christ has done that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. It is only because of Christ that we are empowered to live for you. And it is through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that gives us the security and the assurance that all the promises that you have given us will be fulfilled one day. And one day we will see you, our maker, our God, our Savior. So as we partake of the elements, we receive it, Lord. We take it with grateful hearts and thankful hearts for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take, partake of the bread and the wine. Shall we rise?
from our seats. And can we just bless God with words right now? Let's thank God. We worship you, Lord. We glorify you. You deserve all the highest praise and adoration. Lord, you are so good. You are so faithful. You are so loving. We praise you. We thank you for what you have done and accomplished tonight, today, and whatever has been achieved. Yours is the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We will be singing this new song, and this song is taken from the passage that, that I just read in Philippians. May we find our true joy in the cross. Our wealth is in the cross. Amen. Let's worship our God.